0: We are now going to do three days' worth of Tanya. I might do it a little more briefly, so it's not as long, three days. Sundays, Erev Sukkot, Monday, first day of the holiday of Sukkot, and Tuesday, second day of the holiday of Sukkot. And the completion of those three days will be the completion of the letter we are doing now that we started on Shabbos, letter 22. So on Shabbos we said that the alphabet was telling the people what are you coming to me for? Only a prophet can be asked questions on material issues. You come to a sage for Torah. You come to a prophet for physical material questions. Which as I mentioned in yesterday's portion the Hasidim said okay. So that Rebbe was telling us he's a prophet because they kept asking. But that was the basics I'm Too busy, too bogged down, and how in the world do I know this anyway? I'm not a prophet. Don't come to me for these things. Continuing today, the Rebbe says, what's the problem here? Your love for your body is confusing with the natural order of how you should be relating to these issues. Meaning, why do you love your body? You love your body for a spiritual purpose. Through your body, you serve God. But what happens is you become so enmeshed in love of life and love of body that when you have bodily suffering, this upsets your natural order and it drives you to seek advice on your material matters. You go from place to place, from city to
1: city, looking for advice how to deal with your suffering. So how are we supposed to deal with our challenges? that says, If you're just looking to get rid of the physical affliction,
0: you're not following the path of God. What you're supposed to do is turn to God penitently, turn to him with a humble spirit, turn to him with submission, accept his punishments with love, whom God loves, he chastises. In other words, if someone is experiencing physical misfortune, They should view it as a call from God to repent. And that actually should be a source of satisfaction. Because only because of God's love for me is he choosing to rouse me to repentance. This is analogous to a father, a compassionate, wise, righteous father who hits his son. So a wise son knows, I don't want to run from my father. I don't want an intercessor to get my father not to give me this smack i'm going to look at my father eye to eye and accept his hitting with love because i understand that if he is hitting me it's for my benefit now when we say looking to god face to face what it means is when god gives us with love and with willingness and sort of an inner desire It's like he's looking at us straight in the face. Face in Hebrew is panim. Etymologically, it's the same root as the word innermost core, pnimius. Panim, pnim. So if I'm giving you from my inner will, it's like I'm looking at you eye to eye, face to face. When I'm giving, so to speak, to my enemy, I'm going to turn away my face because I don't want to give him with my inner will. I'm just giving him because I have to for some other reason. So, if God's looking at me face to face, it means He's whatever He's doing. Even it, it doesn't feel like love. It doesn't feel like a gift. But this, there's love here. There's a will here, and that's why He's looking at me face to face. To someone who's not serving God, He's going to give them life without willingness, without pleasure, without delight, back to back, like from His backside. That's why. Those that serve idols, they're called elokim acherim, other gods, because they're deriving their life force from achorayim, achor, backside, acher, other. The backside means God giving in this very superficial way a very external level of will. So why am I keeping these idolaters alive? Not for them themselves, for some other reason perhaps to create free choice in the world. So for them, I don't really want them. So I'm giving them with my backside. I'm giving them with an external dimension. Acher, other, achar, backside. But face-to-face means willingly. So the same way God, when he's relating to me, he's looking at me eye-to-eye, face-to-face. He's giving me with an inner will and an inner love. Even though what I've experienced may not feel like love, I in turn should look at God face to face, which means I should accept willingly. I should accept with an inner desire whatever is apportioned to me from God's face, which means here willing acceptance of God's admonishments, which are expressed here in this physical suffering. And if I'm not accepting this suffering with love and with willingness, it's as if I'm turning my back on God. What did our sages say? Our sages said, if one is suffering, examine your conduct, repent, note your sins. And you might see, you probably will see, sins that require cleansing by means of this suffering. So when God is bringing me this suffering, it's God's love to me to cleanse me in this fashion, as in the metaphor of this great, awesome king, because he loves so much his child. He'll personally wash the filth off the child. Now, the child who's being cleansed, he doesn't view this as love. It hurts. Let me stay in my filth. Why are you hurting me so much when you're washing me so vigorously with this hot soap and water? And I don't want to go through all this suffering. And the father says, I love you. But imagine the father is a king, such a powerful king. He doesn't need to personally wash his child. He can have some servant do it because he loves his child so much, he's personally washing off the dirt. So the child is viewing this as, you're hurting me, and the father is saying, I love you so much, I'm doing it personally. This is what God's doing. So if you think of it that way, if you think of it as God's enormous love for me, the love that's expressed by scouring me with the cleansing agent of suffering, then as water reflects a face, Love reflects love. So when I realize this is all God's love, I'm going to feel so much love for God. And when I want God's love, and and God's love to me is, is more dear to me, is better to me than anything else going on in my life,
1: it's the most precious thing. Then this is how I'm going to be feeling for God. I'm going to be feeling so
0: much God's love. I'm going to be loving God so much back. And this will enable God to then grant me goodness, the kind that my
1: naked eye perceives as goodness. Because it was always love. In the manifest rebuke, there was hidden love. The overt admonition was
0: coming from God's hidden love, which now, because I'm accepting it with love and I'm sending back to God love, My love is eliciting God's love. So instead of God's love being hidden under and within this manifest rebuke, now what can be overt is God's love. In other words, within their source, these divine severities are all coming ultimately from benevolence. When they come into this world, they manifest as suffering. But their source is God's kindness. The nucleus of kindness is love. So my love elicits God's love, which sweetens what I'm experiencing as suffering and becomes manifest what it's been the whole time, which is God's love. That is the Tanya portion of Sunday and Monday. Tuesday continues. If you're looking inside the Tanya, the letter continues, but you see it's sort of starting, seeming like starting a new section in the letter. This is actually, this last section, which is Tuesday's portion, is a separate letter. In the original printing of Tanya, this letter was not here. I'm saying where this was originally placed. But after the first edition, this letter was added. And it's a completely separate letter. And seemingly, it doesn't really have much connection to what the Rebbe was saying before. Perhaps the reason it was added is because, if you remember, the beginning of letter 22, the part actually not printed in the Tanya, in the Hayomium of Shabbos, it points out that the beginning and end not printed in the Tanya, but are printed in Hatamim. So in the beginning of the letter, what's not printed in the Tanya, the author of it was saying how he doesn't have time to deal with all these material questions. In this letter, the beginning of this letter, which is sort of an addendum to the previous letter, maybe the connection is also the Rebbe is saying, I don't have time to deal with all this. So the Rebbe begins, this is Tuesday section of Tanya, I'm so preoccupied all day I'm being bogged down by all the issues I have to deal with that I don't have time to unload the burden of writing down everything's in my heart,
1: but briefly, I'm going to mention something to people who dedicate themselves to
0: prayer beyond the norm that they should be steadfast in their prayer. Prayer is service of the heart, a divine service which works in the heart and on the heart. They should pray with a loud voice, strengthening themselves vigorously against any inner or outer obstacle. And this service relates to the will of those who fear God, meaning this is a service that transcends wisdom, transcends understanding, God gave us wisdom. God gave us understanding. These are gifts from God. Higher than wisdom and understanding, God's gift to us is the faculty of will. And that's left to our own initiative, that each God-fearing person can arouse within himself his will and accepting the yoke of heaven, a simple will, uncount, uncompounded by intellect, just voluntary dedication. I want to serve. God. I want to give God nachas. I want to give God pleasure. This is the reason we're actually told by God should pardon us. The verse says they are stiff-necked people and you should pardon them. Because they're stiff-necked, because they have this obstinate, super-rational will, that's why they should be pardoned. Because pardoning also transcends wisdom. In other words, God Divine wisdom, so to speak, was asked, what do we do? What's the lot of the soul that sins? And wisdom said a sinning soul should be judged and punished.
1: There's no room there for repentance and pardon. But beyond will, higher than will, is pardoning.
0: I'm sorry, I said beyond will. I meant to say beyond intellect. Higher than intellect is pardoning. And this is what Moses asked. Moses prayed to God that God grant forgiveness to the same extent that an individual repents. When an individual repents, he's not repenting with his understanding. He's going higher than his understanding. He's transcending his understanding. He's repenting with a simple will. So the same way man turns to God to repent with a simple will, this should elicit God's will, which also transcends God's understanding. Because God's wisdom might say, no, they, they deserve to be punished. They deserve to suffer for their sins. Put wisdom on the side, God. Just as the people are putting wisdom on the side and turning to beyond wisdom with will, put your wisdom on the side. Turn to them with will and forgive them.
1: Additionally, the Rebbe says, when you're looking at other people, don't make so many calculations
0: regarding the pretext of man's steps and man's thoughts It's not your job to weigh the motives of another person. That's God's business. That's not your business. For every person, be humble of spirit before every person without any exception. And we should really recognize that every individual possesses specific qualities that we don't have. And really all of us together form one whole, one entity. So I'm complemented. I'm perfected by every other person. So instead of looking at other people and being judgmental and scrutinizing and seeing negative things, look at other people with a benevolent eye and understand that every person perhaps has a quality in serving God that I don't. And all of us together
1: are forming one whole, wholesome unit. And especially here when we're talking about prayer, if we're all broken apart, if, we're, if there's divisiveness among us, then
0: it's as if it's affecting the heart of the Jewish people. Meaning, all of our souls form, so to speak, one body. The heart of our body is divine presence. The task of prayer is to connect all of us with our source, with God's divine presence. So to do so, we need to cultivate unity among each other. Because when we're all one, we can turn as one to the heart of all of us, to God's presence
1: through prayer.
0: But if we're all divisive, if we're all fragmented, if we don't have unity, then we don't have that power which enables us to access the heart of our body. When all of our body parts are one, when the body of the Jewish people, the cosmic body of the Jewish people is one, we can access the heart of the Jewish people. We can access God. But if we're not one, it's not a functioning, healthy body, we can't access a functioning, healthy heart. So we need to serve God as one person and thereby access our heart, the divine presence. So what we really need to do is turn to other people with love. And if we have anything bad in our heart for another person, first of all, turn to come to our heart. And if it does, push it away. Push it away as if it was an idolatrous thought. If, God forbid, a thought of idolatry came to your heart, you would chase it out. To speak evil of another person is as severe as idolatry, as severe as incest,
1: as severe as bloodshed. And that's speaking evil. Thinking evil is even worse. Because thinking affects our soul
0: much more than speech. First of all, it's a much deeper impression. It's a much more inner garment. This applies for good and for bad. A good thought leaves a deeper impression on me than a good speech. And conversely, an evil thought is going to leave a deeper impression than evil speech. So if we can understand how bad it is to speak against another Jew, and that's compared to idolatry, incest, and bloodshed, could you imagine thinking about another Jew? And also, another problem with thought this thought is constant speaking sometimes we're silent sometimes we speak but thinking we're always doing so if we allow our thoughts to run free to race with bad feelings against other jews how horrific is it how much we're chasing away god's presence from the jewish people so if we really want to pray for real if we really want to turn to god for real we have to turn to god from a place
1: of love Of all of us all together. Good gentis.